Record Talk Listen is sponsored by Frostburg Fiber Depot. Frostburg Fiber Depot is located at 9 West Main Street in Frostburg, Maryland. And the shop features lovely American made and select international yarns. If you are new to knitting or you just want to expand your talents, they offer a wide variety of classes from beginner to expert. Be sure to stop in, sign up, and check out their website at frostburgfiberdepot.com. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Record Talk Listen. My name is Lydia, and thank you so much for joining me. So we have a our regular feature, Johnny O. He is back. He's talking about taxes, something that is uh, very much in the headlines. Uh, we recorded this right before Thanksgiving. So some of the details have changed slightly, but the basic facts remain the same. Um, this bill, uh, it was on its way to the Senate when we talked about it. So the same rules apply. Um, and now it has to go back to the house to be looked over once again. Um, in the meantime, it's a good idea to figure out what rules they're using and some basic principles of what they're trying to do with the tax bill. Now, I know they've added some things, they've handwritten things, they've done be- oh, tons of stuff. So in order to kind of dissect individual mandates of that particular tax bill, we would have to come back and look at the whole thing either once it um, passes, uh, gets signed into law, and that might be something we follow up on. But this particular episode deals with taxes, the way it's set up, how it's reformed, bills, how amendments are made to tax reform, and basically how you can get involved with help to helping to shape that tax reform by voting. So something to pay attention to because it does affect all of us. So this episode is extremely important. Again, chock full of information. It might be an episode you have to listen to more than once. And we encourage you to do that because this is a podcast and you can listen to it as many times as you want. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show. We are on pretty much every platform, including uh, just recently Spotify. So if you are a Spotify listener, you can find the show there. Um, speaking of fantastic episodes that you shouldn't miss and happens to be pretty topical, I talked to Betsy Hurwitz-Schwab um, a few uh, last week and we put together an episode about sexual harassment in the workplace. Again, very topical. So if um, if you haven't heard that one, I highly suggest you listen to it. It's uh, It affects everybody again. So we're hitting some pretty heavy topics here lately in, the, in these past couple of weeks, um, but they're important. And we love to hear from our listeners. And you can also help participate in upcoming shows by asking questions of our the people coming on. And the easiest way to do that and access that is on Facebook. Uh, join the group called The People Who Listen. And it is a closed group and it's a safe space. So we encourage everybody to come um, and join The People Who Listen. And if social media is not your thing, you can always send us an email. And that's recordtechlisten at gmail.com. So uh, be sure to do that. Um, I guess that about does it. You should go to our website, by the way, recordtechlisten.com. If you haven't been in a while, uh, they have direct links to subscribe. You can donate to the show if you like what you're here and you want to keep us going and sustained. It's fantastic. If you want to be a Patreon or a patron <laughs> through Patreon, there's a direct link there too. Um, or you can sponsor the show like the wonderful Frostburg Fiber Depot. They do amazing classes. Tim and I learned how to knit, um, which is no small feat. And they're very patient and fantastic. So if it's something... 
uh, and it gets you involved in the community and you get to meet new and wonderful people. So it's a win-win situation, learning how to knit and purl. So check, make sure to check out the Frostburg Fiber Depot. And again, if you want to sponsor the show like they do, send us an email, recordtechlisten at gmail.com. All right. So this, uh, if you get nervous about taxes, maybe, uh, you know, do some deep breathing, drink a glass of wine, and uh, hopefully this will make you feel a little bit better. Here is Johnny O and myself talking about taxes. Johnny O, you're back. And I'm back. I'm so happy to have you, and we're going to talk about exciting world of taxes. Oh, my. Well, thanks for having me. Always. And the exciting world of taxes. Yeah, it, death and taxes. Those are two things you can't avoid. Exactly. So, and it uh, looks like less and less of us are going to be able to avoid taxes I know. if the, the myriad of proposals get passed. Yeah. So I think what we should do today is do a little review where we got to, why we got to where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, hit on some targets about what the various Republican proposals are supposed to be doing. Right. Do a little critique of that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'll give you my impression of what possibly is really going on. I, I think that's a great, I think that's a great arc of, okay. a, of an episode. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's start with, we are still... Following up on budget reconciliation. We talked about this in an earlier podcast, too, actually. The Mm -hmm. Budget Act itself and then the Health Care Act repeal initiatives. This is still a follow-up to that. Yes. Um, The way it works is if you can pass a budget through both houses of Congress, Mm -hmm. which they have, you can then uh, initiate special, simplified, modified rules that you can use to basically modify the budget proposal or change the budget proposal. Right. Amendments to... Right. Mm -hmm. This is largely irrelevant in the House because they don't have uh, the arcane processes known as filibuster. Right. But it's incredibly important in the Senate. Mm -hmm. Under the budget reconciliation rules, you only need 51 out of 100 votes. Okay. Simple majority to pass these changes to the budget. Mm -hmm. Which the Republican Party has. Has. Mm -hmm. If everyone stays on board, they have 52. Mm -hmm. So they got a little wiggle room, Mm -hmm. sort of. But um, this also presents a time frame. Why was the health care repeal pushed through so quickly? And many people argue because it went so quickly, it ultimately failed. Mm Why is the tax reform proposals, are the tax reform proposals being pushed so through so quickly? They have a time frame. They can only use budget reconciliation for the current budget. Right. We talked about this for the ACA. We talked about that for so the So it's other, sort of right. like they have this little, little special rule. Right. For just this year. Exactly. So. And the window of opportunity is closing. Rapidly. Because we're now into the holiday season. So, right. Exactly. Because they go home. Mm -hmm. They're going on Thanksgiving recess already. Yes. And the early part of December, I believe, will be the start of their uh, holiday recess. And Mm -hmm. they won't be back until January. And then it's a whole new year. Right. And they got to start all over again. And they don't have that simple majority rule. 
in their favor any longer. Exactly, yeah. because then they have to get another budget going. Yes. Because remember, the budget year runs from October through September. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of fighting uh, deadlines there mm-hmm. that make a little less sense if you think about calendar years. But yeah, yeah. The end result is for the tax reform proposals, uh, the Senate has held no hearings. The House has held no hearings. Not that they haven't had meetings about mm-hmm. it. And committees and things. They've had, but they haven't held any of these public hearings where they bring people in to testify, expert witnesses, what's the impact of this. Sure. Which is fairly standard protocol in any legislative proceeding, particularly something that is this grand. Mm-hmm. I mean, tax reform is a big issue. It, it always seems to be a big issue, no matter yes. what mm-hmm. um, presidency you right. can remember. Taxes are always part of that particular person's platform right. for change. Taxes are one of those things that just is an ongoing debate. Mm-hmm. What's fair? What should we be doing? And they are the essence of government funding. Yeah, without if it's a very uh, small amount of people did not pay their taxes, the government would be out of money <laughs> relatively quickly. Right. Well, that's why, of course, in my opinion, um, we have withholdings from our salaries, mm-hmm. so we don't have to worry about that. Right. They automatically take the money out. Yes. So you don't have to think about it. Where yes, and worry about people not paying up or paying up late. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a steady revenue stream. Right. This uh, alteration of the process, if anyone's been listening to Senator McCain, is what he's complaining about. Yeah, oh, yeah. Why mm-hmm. aren't we having these hearings? Why are we rushing this through? This is so important. He's even in, gone so far as to suggest that he would support it. If he knew what was going on. If we went back to the process. So whenever he says the process, that I believe is what he's talking about. Just having hearings and Holding hearing hearings, from the experts. And- getting experts, getting public input. Yeah. So, all right. So tax reform. There's a bunch of different proposals going out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones we're going to talk about are from uh, the Republicans in the legislature. Okay. Just recently, the House of Representatives passed their tax reform proposal. Mm-hmm. And a party line vote with all Republicans but 13 voting in favor of it. Okay. And all Democrats voting against it. Okay. Pretty typical. That's what we all expected. Right. Yeah. One of the big issues for many of the Democrats and uh, most of the 13 Republicans Mm -hmm. was something called the SALT provision. State and local tax. Mm. S-A-L-T. Currently... Federal income tax law allows you to deduct parts of your state and local taxes, yeah. like real estate taxes, sure. uh, property taxes type mm-hmm. things. And uh, the House proposal wants to get rid of that as a way to generate resources, uh, a way to simplify the process, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of commentators are suggesting that that caused the 13 defections or a significant number of them. Right. Um, the Senate now has is crafting a, a totally different bill, but with similar components, okay. but not the same. Mm. The process works that way. The Senate and the House generally consider proposals independently, and as a result, because you have two different groups, you end up with different proposals. Mm-hmm. If the Senate passes its bill, it then goes to a joint 
session of a, a committee right. comprised of some members of the House and some members of the Senate. And they try to craft a single bill, which then has to go back to both houses for a revote because it has to be exact same language that makes it to the president's desk for signature to become a law. This sounds like a way too much to accomplish in a two and a half week period. Well, t- just just based on it does. just based on the level of um, cooperation right. that the two houses uh, have amongst each other. Right. So I, you know, it seems like just the top leadership is talking nice to each other. I yeah. Uh-huh. And the rank and file have issues with each other's performance. Right. Or at the very least proposals. Right. Exactly. And that's all that really matters. The mm-hmm. proposals that they're putting forward. Right. So. Uh, so when I talk about the Republican proposals, I'm kind of weaving together components of both the House and the Senate, and the Senate okay. uh, with the expectation that the final version will be some version of combination whatever t- yeah. of the two, okay. if indeed it gets passed uh, in the Senate. Okay. Um, so I tried to find some sort of uh, consistent themes in terms of rationale. Sure. What... What's the purpose of the tax reform? What purpose will it serve? What goals will it achieve? And I came with, with a, a handful that seemed to be uh, consistent between the two houses. Okay. Uh, how they go about it might vary, but the, the, the talking points seem to be the same. Mm-hmm. The Republican proposals seem to suggest that their bills will increase um, the economy. Develop the economy, yeah. economic stimulation. Sure, sure. They're very interested in simplifying the tax code. That comes up repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, they have promised that it will be at least as progressive as the current system. And they also talk about tax cuts for the middle class. And then, of course, there's a longstanding pledge to reduce the deficit. They, uh, right. Sort of a stalwart of government of uh, Republican government proposals. It's to or, decrease you know, like the deficit. Running slogans, campaign slogans. Yeah. A little backtrack here: progressive tax rates. Okay. For those of us who are not familiar, um, a progressive tax rate means that people who make more money pay a higher percentage in taxes. Which kind of makes sense, but, right. you know. It's called the uh, ability to pay principle. Yeah. You have somebody who makes $100, you take $10 out, 10%. That's a big change in their income. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody who makes $100 million, you take 10% out. That's a lot of money, but still, you can still live Keep them on in a lifestyle they're accustomed $900 million. To. Yeah. So thus, instead of having everyone pay 10%, the millionaires can afford to pay more mm-hmm. and thus they pay a higher tax rate. Right. Everybody pays the same amount. It's called a flat tax rate. Mm-hmm. And then there's a real simple one that everyone actually pays the same dollar amount and that's a flat tax. Right. Uh, nobody actually proposes that one. But the flat tax <laughs> rate. That gets brought up gets a lot. a lot of airtime. Yeah, it yes, does. Exactly. And, you know, and I don't. I was about. I was going to ask you about the flat tax rate. I think that that's probably a more fair procedure, and would would seem to me to simplify things across the board for the tax code. It it could. Yeah. Um, it depends on how it's implemented. Right. Um, there are lots of other variables involved. 
I mean, if you really want to just simplify the tax code, there are lots of things you can cut out, deductions and things like that. Mm-hmm. And some of these proposals include that. Okay. The question is who's going to benefit and who's going to lose as mm-hmm. a result of those cuts. Right. So um, that's what we're going to work our way through relatively briefly because we're not going to be here for like six hours. No. So <laughs> let's go to simulation. That's the okay. big key. All right. The Republican argument, the general conservative argument, is uh, what's called uh, supply-side economics or trickle-down economics Mm -hmm. that give money to those who invest in businesses and they create jobs. Yes. Okay. Um, I read an article from Forbes that said there's no economic justification for the tax cut at this time because the economy is growing. I was going to say, the economy is doing pretty well, so that seems to be redundant. Right. The gross domestic product, a standard measure of Mm -hmm. economic uh, strength, seems to be doing well, increasing. Unemployment is close to 4%, according to this article, which is below what um, would be considered the uh, full employment or natural employment. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the idea that nobody really knows what that number is, Yeah, but it's this economic principle that a certain amount of unemployment is required in the system or else it has an adverse effect on things like prices and wages. Right. And you get inflationary or deflationary pressures depending on. Mm-hmm. But you, you aim for that natural or sure. full unemployment rate. Yeah. And nobody could tell me exactly what it is, but uh, this one article recommended that about 55 give or take, okay. is about the ballpark. Good. So the argument that stimulating the economy is driving the tax reform mm-hmm. seems to have some problems because that's normally what you do in times of economic decline. Right, like a recession. Right. Mm-hmm. Can fiscal conservatives look and they say, okay, if things are working, why are you going to fix it? Because... There's no particular fix needed. Right. If there were some compelling reason, then this might justify the types of cuts that you're proposing. Sure. For example, um, cutting the uh, rates on corporations would be a way to stimulate their reinvestment and Mm -hmm. thus, according to this principle, uh, reinvest in job growth. Right. But if they're making money and they are developing, the rationale seems to, to fall disappear. Apart. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, others suggest that there are other ways to stimulate the economy better. Okay. Um, for example, if you really want to stimulate growth, then you can just cut taxes on uh, cut tax exemptions okay for particular categories right um that will allow you to simplify the tax code which is the second point mm-hmm. and it will also allow you to reduce the tax rate that corporations pay okay they argue that taxing at this level 35% and then returning this amount through tax exemptions is a complicated feature. Well, so they're saying basically, why are you paying, basically they're refunding you money 
So why are you paying thirty? Why, why are you paying a hundred dollars right. in taxes, and then we give you back thirty? Exactly. Yeah. And that, except you never actually pay because it's just calculations right, exactly. on your sheet. Yeah. Uh, so they recommend that that would be possibly a better way mm-hmm. of accomplishing this goal sure. of stimulating the economy and economic growth by providing a lower tax rate for big corporations. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, this is um, one of the things we do in the United States is we don't really distinguish all that much between smaller businesses, the traditional mom and pop, right. and Walmart or the yeah. mega corporations. Right. Uh, even though the life situation, the economic situation of the two is vastly different. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and some people suggest that that might be a way to develop the economy better. Mm-hmm. Um, target your cut, tax cuts. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. If you think about, again, the middle class we talked about earlier, who's mm-hmm. in the middle class? Who knows? You're right. It's it's difficult to say. But these small business owners are more likely to be middle class mm-hmm. than the people who, uh, you know, the gates. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, right. yeah Bill and Melinda. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, that's not what middle class is these days. Uh, hopefully not. Yeah. So, uh, target them for your tax cuts. Sure. And them alone. Mm. That's problematic. That's problematic for a variety of political reasons. But if that's your goal, to stimulate the economy and to develop new economic growth, target small businesses. Yeah. Because they're the ones in smaller areas providing jobs in especially rural areas. Rural areas. You know. Uh, even suburban areas. Yeah. Uh, and, well, also these days urban areas. Yeah. Micro-businesses are very, very popular mm-hmm. in large cities. Yeah. Because of the amount of upfront capital you have to invest for a big property. Sure. To run a big business. Yeah. So smaller organizations are... Uh, more ideal. More, yeah, economically yeah. feasible to more people. Yeah, absolutely. But, so there are a lot of people out there challenging the economic stimulation arguments. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you know, Joe conservative would say, well, I'm a conservative too, but I thought the economy was doing well now. Right. So it's sort of like, what? what is it? Are we doing okay? Are we not doing okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you, you look at the evidence, you have... You have to second guess what the motive is. Right. Okay. So, but that's okay. They have other motives as well. Yes. Another <laughs> one is simplification. Uh, the old postcard argument. Many of you may have heard this before. Taxes should be, you should be able to file your tax return on a piece of paper, two-sided postcard. And that's it. Why do you have to fill out all these complicated forms? Right. Well, The first thing is the IRS recommends that most Americans don't fill out the complicated forms. They fill out the EZ form. Yeah. Because the standardized and uh, personalized deduction gives them more of a tax refund than itemizing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's only when you get into the higher economic ranks that it becomes more feasible, more beneficial for you to itemize. Mm -hmm. So that's the first argument. If this is your target audience again, the middle class, mm-hmm. um, check and see how much they are actually burdened by this. Or right. are they actually filling out this simple form? 
Right. Another article I read, this man suggested that um, really if you take the calculations out, it's a one-sided piece of paper that you file. Yeah. It's the parts where you add in the deductions and the charitables and all that. Um, you could put that on a worksheet. Yeah, you could. I mm -hmm. file my taxes electronically, and the program does it all for me. Right. I mean, that's the other thing. The advent of technology really makes it exactly. simple. You know, how much this, how much that, plug and play, and right. send it in. So the uh, people saying that, you know, okay, what they're going to do is they're going to simplify the tax brackets and reduce them. Okay. Well, before the advent of electronics, mm -hmm. computers everywhere, uh, I filed my own taxes. And I use the tax tables in the little booklet. Oh, yeah. And it's relatively simple to look up. So you make X amount of money, you're single, that's how much taxes you are supposed to pay. Mm -hmm. Then you go to your employer's report and it tells you how much you did pay. Mm -hmm. And the difference is taxes owed or refunded. Taxes we get refunded. Yeah, okay. Um, a lot of people are frightened of the tax form. I think people are frightened with the whole idea of getting in trouble. That, I believe, is correct. You know, if somebody says... It's the IRS. The IRS, Ooh. oh my God, a guy in a black suit and tie and a briefcase coming to right. take all my money. And I feel like that... Everybody makes mistakes, even right. the IRS, Yes. surprisingly enough. Yes. Um, but I feel like it, it creates a lot of anxiety for people. And so sometimes when they talk about tax bills and tax reform and all this other kind of stuff, people just shut down because they're yes. like, I don't, I don't want to. It's just so yes. overwhelming. It's an overwhelming. You figure that the, the aversion that many of us in our society have to math. Yeah. And you compound that because it's the IRS mm -hmm. and math together. It's like <laughs> it is like the government government regulatory math brigade. Yes. Is coming exactly. To like right. Look at your taxes and see how good you are uh, I know. with a magnifying glass. And I remember when I was filing tax returns manually and they illustrated at the top how to write the numbers correctly. I'm like, that's not the way I write my numbers. Right. Am I going to be in trouble? <laughs> exactly. What am I going to do? It's exactly it. I mean, anybody who's ever had testing anxiety and yes. and uh, anxiety with math, this is like the worst case scenario right. for you. And we could change this very, very simply. Yeah. Um, make the IRS the good guy because here's yeah. a proposal. A lot of other countries do this, uh, rich countries. Mm -hmm. Your employer reports your tax information to in our case, the IRS. Absolutely. By law, they have mm -hmm. to. Uh, why can't they fill it out, mail it to you, and then you just decide if it's correct, you sign it. If not, you go through the amendment process. Then you, it, yeah, yeah. And I bet you that most of us who don't use the deductions, the mm -hmm. itemization, because we don't have that stuff, right. would sign send it back i can't imagine anything simpler than just signing your name i mean really i mean look it over but right. if you can't if that cause i mean that sounds fantastic sure because i mean you would that would avoid a lot of extra cost too right. and everything else think about how that would change our impression of the irs oh my god that'd be great yeah it'd be like going to the bank and getting a lollipop exactly <laughs> <laughs> i went to the bank today it's about thanksgiving time here and my bank was giving out snacks. 
That's fantastic. Yes. That's a good bank. I was mad at them. I won't mention their name. Uh So I refused to even have a cookie. (laughs) Oh. That'll teach them. Anyway. They can't buy you a cookie. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) So if we look at the argument for simplification, there are counter proposals that seem to make more sense. Okay. Uh, But, okay, so maybe simplification is not just the only one. Maybe. So... The next statement was that it should be at least as progressive as the current system. Okay. Unfortunately, if you add together all the different things that are being proposed, let's just stick with the um, the Senate plan at this mm-hmm. point because I don't know what's going to be mixed in and what's not. One of the current proposals is to repeal the individual mandate right. from the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, they've already been defunding the risk pools. Yes, they have. Which, both of which raise your insurance premium. As people have seen when they sign up for the right. health care. For health care yeah. this mm-hmm. year, like what happened? Right. Well. Um, what good is it to cut taxes if we're going to cut government-funded programs? Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. The right. subsidy for your health insurance is a government-funded program. Right. So in essence, you're not making people better off. No. Um, there are at least 13 million people by uh, Congressional Budget Office estimates that would be less well off because of this change. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, an economist recommended that within the first year, 2018, mm-hmm. uh, about 11% of the population would not be better off. It's a lot. Yeah. 11%, I think, is too much so, for, for some of these not, things to be considered. Yeah, he didn't specify who was this going to be the middle class or lower middle class, lower middle class or poor or, or the rich people. It could or be the rich could people. Could be the rich people. Although could, no one seems to be suggesting that. Everyone think, seems to be thinking that this is targeting cuts to people who have a lot of money mm-hmm. or are better off. Sure, more uh, financially stable. People who make more of their money from corporate ownership or stocks mm-hmm. than those who make it from corp- being a corporate employee. Right. So um, there's, I haven't read a single piece that tells me that this is going to be at least as progressive. Right. Uh, the almost universal response to this claim is that this is going to be a fail. Mm. Uh, you, know, like, you know, pass or fail. This one is not going to be a a passing grade. Gotcha. It's kind of intuitive. If you're giving cuts to the upper echelons of society, Mm -hmm. you are going to undermine the progressiveness of the tax code. Right. Because by definition, progressive means that those with more pay more. Mm -hmm. Again, the ability to pay principle. Right. So if you target tax cuts up there... That simply That's means it. yeah. it's not going to be as progressive as it was. Right. Unless, of course, you could find some way to shift it all the way down. But then but who, that not, doesn't work. Right. Right. And that's not in the proposals. Mm. Uh, okay, so that one's not so much. How about the longstanding pledge to reduce the deficit? Well, I mean, that sounds good in theory, but, I mean, how are they going to do it? I mean... Well, there's an interesting way they're going to do it, mm. but so far... Uh, most credible at, uh, estimates suggest that within the next decade, the deficit is going to increase anywhere from 1.4 to 1.5 trillion dollars. It's going to increase by that much. That's a lot. 
that's too much. Mm-hmm. That's the too deficit, much deficit. The deficit currently stands in the neighborhood of thirteen trillion. So I mean, I mean, if you look at it that way, then what's another one point five? Well, remember that thirteen trillion we accumulated over the last two hundred plus years. Right. Most of it, granted, since the nineteen sixties. Okay. So the last sixty years. Let's just do the math. Round off. It's easy. Sure, for sure. Us. Yeah. Um, one and a half, one and a quarter in the next decade is a significant amount. Right. When you look at the whole scheme of things, in 200 years, we have $13 trillion in debt. In the next 10 years, we're going to add one and and a half trillion to that. Exactly. And a lot of those debts from the past Mm. came from unfunded wars. Wow. Surprisingly. So, okay, you get that war is expensive. Mm -hmm. So we're adding over a trillion dollars and it's not war related not expensive it's not defense related uh machinery weapons mobilization of huge amounts of personnel um it's for a tax cut it's for for taxes yes for tax cuts for people that ultimately don't really need the cuts exactly justifiably this is another big fail in terms of pledges right um the Critics of the Republicans in both the House and the Senate point to this mercilessly. What happened to your balance the budget ethic? Yeah. Uh, in fact, in 2010, the Statutory Pay-As-You-Go Act was passed, which means that any new spending program or increases to programs mm-hmm. has to be offset by either new revenue sources or cuts from somewhere else. Right. Uh, This is problematic for both Republican proposals because it doesn't match. It doesn't match because you can't spend more and not have it come from someplace else. Yeah. The only way you can do it is what's being referred to, and it has been for a while, that's just Republicans, um, creative accounting. Ah, uh, for Sounds example, slightly illegal. Well, it's actually not ah. because they get to set their own rules about how they count things. Yeah. Uh, one of the things Republicans are uh, pushing to include is a new approach to counting the benefits of programs. Okay. So if you estimate that it's going to have a beneficial impact on the economy, you get to count that as revenue. Interesting. Okay. Even though. Nobody can tell if your estimates are accurate or not. Right. There's no every government that I know of, every proposal I know of, Democrats and Republicans have always used rosy economic estimates. Sure. And more often than not, they have proven to just be that. They're rosy. Over optimistic. Mm. Exactly. Okay. But so this is sort of one of those sleight of hand tricks that critics say this is just creative accounting. Right. This is just counting with using a different mechanism right. rather than actual gains mm. that you can count on. Sure. So then what happens in the long run when you end up increasing the deficit? Well, the Senate proposal recommends that the cuts to individual tax plans expire in 10 years. But the corporate remain permanent. So you and I would get tax cuts for the next 10 years, for the next decade. Possibly. Possibly. Right. This is the proposal. Right. This and, is what they're saying. you yes. know, 
big corporations since but my my question to you is they they don't have an expiration date but if corporations are people shouldn't they also be well that's an interesting perspective if corporations are treated as people under the law Mm -hmm. why are they at least not included in the the 10-year expiration date yeah I mean, it's a simple idea of a sunset provision. Mm-hmm. If you want it to continue after that, then you have to vote for it again. Right. I don't know of any legitimate explanation as to why the sunset provision is not also applied to, to the corporate changes. Yeah. There is none other than sort of political rationale. Right, right. Um, it's not just going to be you and I. It's going to be a large part of the population. I know you were just... Yeah, being uh, fanciful in that, but yes, sure. we will be. Um, estimates are that by 2023, anybody who makes, which is four years short mm-hmm. of the ten, ten year years. decade, yeah, ten year, every ten years is a decade. Never mind. <laughs> anybody who makes less than seventy five thousand will see their taxes increase. Right. That's before the tax cuts for you and I expire. Mm. So, all right, where's the money going to come from? Right, he's going to just about to say, okay. where uh, is this happening? Here's some other interesting things that are included. Um, alcohol taxes on wine, beer, and liquor are cut. Oh, great. Okay. I mean, that's good. We know that uh, consumption taxes are often uh, considered luxury taxes, sure. and they're higher on alcoholic beverages. Uh-huh. And studies suggest that they actually do reduce, uh, to some degree, the negative impacts of uh, drinking right. on society. Right. Junk driving, uh, abusive homes, things like that. Mm-hmm. But this is a cut that is going to affect middle class America. Okay. The article I said so read said something about raising the cost of a six pack of Bud Light. You know, a standard, probably the most widely consumed beer in the United States. Sure. Um, so they're they're looking to target uh, the middle class, as this is something that's appealing to you. Uh, but the other side of that is um, the economic costs associated with the negative outcomes of excessive drinking. Mm-hmm. Couple that with the loss of mandatory health care, mm-hmm. you're going to see an increase of people going back to the emergency room right. for basic, uh, basic services, yep. which many people aren't, might not be aware of. Emergency rooms um, can write off as in a tax expenditure. That's a tax expenditure is a nice way of saying tax break. Sure. It's a fancy word. Mm-hmm. Write off emergency room expenses for uh, non-paying people mm-hmm. as tax cut yeah so one hand giveth and the other hand taketh away mm-hmm. okay. um one of the things that's really problematic from my perspective as an instructor is the uh educational cuts absolutely and i know that that's it's been in the news a little bit more right. because teachers are going if they buy school supplies for their students they right. can no longer write that off right so um that's a fairly standard practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. absolutely. School districts are generally underfunded, so teachers provide for it. Yeah. So it simplifies the tax code, but 
at what cost? To the education of our current students. Right. It's only $250 you can write off anyway. But that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for, for a, a teacher. teacher. Yeah. But in terms of its impact on the overall budget situation. Yeah. That doesn't have not an so impact. Much. Yeah, exactly. One of the proposals, uh, and this is one of the interesting things about it, people are sort of throwing amendments in left and right to sweeten the deal to get people to vote for it. Yeah. The Senate was floating an amendment to their proposal that would uh, increase that to $500. Mm-hmm. But the House doesn't have it. It's already been cut from their proposal. So they're in disagreement. Even before it's done. Yeah. One is simplify, and the other one is like... Making it more complicated. We need more votes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Graduate students are going to be totally screwed. Yeah. Uh, currently... You have to declare only part of your graduate student support as income, mm-hmm. about up to a little over $5,000 of it. Right. Um, but you get tuition for free. Basically, you get a living stipend, and then you get free tuition. Mm-hmm. The standard, the current proposals recommend that graduate student, educa- anyone in this educational situation where you get tuition waiver. Yeah has to count that as taxable income. So there have been some fun little things going around on the Internet where they do the math for you, where if uh, you know you go to school, it costs $25,000, yeah. and you get a $5,000 stipend, you earned $30,000. That's crazy. And it's all taxable now. So, so are they paying... So. That doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Because the person that so now is so just don't go to just don't go to college because you are you're not getting paid like you're not earning any income. Right, exactly. You're going to come out in debt. You're going to be in debt from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. and then uh, when you get out, you're going to be even more in debt. Right. So there's a great disincentive for pursuing graduate studies and. We may have a very negative impression of um, education in the United States. Which I don't understand why. Yeah. I mean, I just there's a whole thing about if you are an educated person, that's a bad thing. Right. Uh, there's some great articles and books out there about the assault on education. And, yeah. But just remember, anytime you need professional help, it's from somebody who... Not anytime. Most of the time. It's from someone who went to a graduate program. Right. I mean, do you want uh, a surgeon... Who right. didn't do that? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Think about it. All of your teachers, yeah, uh, your doctors, your lawyers, okay. graduate school. Right. So, um, it seems to me that the stated rationales for these proposals kind of fall flat. Mm-hmm. There are too many holes and there's too many interesting other proposals that could have been put forth. Um, one really interesting one is called a value-added tax. Okay. Which apparently um, Senator Cardin from Maryland, his Progressive Consumption Tax Act, something he's proposed, is a value-added tax. It's a, basically a consumption tax. Okay. Uh, his proposal would eliminate income taxes on up to a hundred thousand dollars for couples, fifty thousand for singles, seventy-five thousand for single parents. 
And again, according to this article, that means the vast majority of people no longer pay income taxes. But you would pay more uh, of value-added taxes every time something something is done to a product. You add a tax to it. Mm-hmm. So it's made in a factory. You put a tax on it. It's shipped to Walmart. You put a tax on it. Mm-hmm. It's sold to you. You put a tax on it. Yeah. The higher the value of the product, the more tax associated with it. Right. Uh, one of the criticisms of that is that, again, it's not particularly progressive because poor people spend most of their money on survival needs. And and they're paying more in taxes. It will for cost, them. More. Mm-hmm. cost more. So, for them. again, according to this brief article I read, uh, Cardin's proposal recommends that there would be rebates oh for boy. poor people. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, so, I just thought I'd throw that out as sure. the, the value added tax. Um, so, it's not just. And then also another thing, it's not just all Republicans. You know, some right. Democrats have some poor tax ideas too. So don't don't get that twisted. Right. Um, yeah. The idea is that okay. So let's get back to if these things aren't the real reason. Yeah. Why, in my opinion, just mm-hmm. my opinion. Sure. Why are these tax proposals coming through now? Right. Why not sit and uh, talk about a value-added tax or talk about a flat tax? Or, you mean have a debate? Yes. Well. The first thing is this uh, Republican Congress has got an image problem. Mm. Uh, They are desperate, in my opinion, and others suggest as well, to do something. Right. They have been unable to pass any sort of major legislation. Right. Much of the initiatives coming out are from Mr. Trump's office, executive Mm -hmm. orders and memoranda. But they have limited impact because they can only be directed to government employees. Right. You can't change the law that way. No. Um, so that's one thing. I think there's a desperate need to try to prove that they can govern. Yes. And they haven't had much success with that. If governing is defined as passing legislation, and which I think that's would be what that is. Yeah. Yeah, since absolutely. it's the legislature. Yeah, exactly. And I think the second thing is that they have to respond not just to the public, but to their targeted audience. Um, their donors. Yeah, there have been a couple articles floating around that say that donors are getting a little pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you keep saying you're going to do this, but then that doesn't happen. And then you said you're going to do this, and that doesn't happen. It's like, And 2018 is an election year. Right. Do something or don't expect a check. Right. And I'm not sure personally how viable a threat that is because if you are a wealthy corporate owner who's depending upon who's usually yeah. skewing more towards a conservative candidate anyway because they right. feel like there's a potential for you to get taxes right. in your favor for the life of your corporation. Right. You um, can threaten as much as you want, but at the end of the day you're probably still gonna cut that check. Yes, you're still going to feel compelled to try to influence politics with your donations. Right. Uh, And, I mean, historically, wealthy people with corporate bases have donated to both Democrats and Republicans. Sure. More to whomever's in office at the time Mm -hmm. and more to Republicans when they are in office. Yes. But Democrats still benefit. Yeah, as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, So I'm not sure that's a viable threat, but... It doesn't matter what I think. 
If the leadership in the legislature thinks it's a viable threat, then they act upon it. Right. And I think also we should mention that um, revolutions are started from poor tax codes. Um, We broke away from Britain. We did our, we did the first Brexit. Right. Yes. And, uh, and it was because we weren't, we were being taxed without being represented. Right. So here's the thing. We could start a revolution or we could just maybe mm-hmm. vote the people out that are supposed right. to be representing you. No matter, you know, yes, they might get huge checks from a donor, but that is one person. That is not the right. whole constituency. Well, that is indeed sort of a groundswell that take Mr. Trump supporters, mm-hmm. drain the swamp, appeal to them tremendously. Yes. The idea that the elite in Washington are not responsive to the average American. Whether the elite in Washington that now surrounds Mr. Trump is any more responsive. It's doubtful. Yeah, I find that difficult to believe as well. Mm -hmm. But that was a successful campaign slogan. Yeah, absolutely. And ever since Mr. Reagan, successful politicians have been running against government. Yeah. So it's not just taxation without representation, as in we don't have anyone in the legislature. Right. We're not D.C. We don't have anybody (laughs) representing our interests. That's correct. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have somebody that's wanting to fight for you on tax code and making sure that the majority of his or her constituents are taken care of because they understand the demographics of their constituency. Right. That would be most helpful. And it really has to happen uh, on a large scale. Mm -hmm. You can send your one person in, but how much impact will one person have out of 435? Right. So it has to be more widespread. You have to have more people than just one district. Yeah. So taxes. Yeah. Essential to everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets affected by it. Even if you don't pay... If you get refunds, even if you um, are in the lower brackets where you don't make a more than $6,000, right? you are dependent on services that are provided by taxes. Yes. So the impact of these proposed tax reforms are going to be universal for all people in the United States. Right. Whether you have kids in school, whether you are in school, whether you're an employer, an employee, mm-hmm. unemployed, it's going to be, it's going to have an impact on okay. you. So um, the impact is going to be universal. Right. Everyone's going to be affected. So everyone has a stake in this. Yeah. And it's one of those things that people look at as somewhat arcane and esoteric and it's, I don't know what's going on. Right. Well... It's very simple. You can pick up the newspaper, go online. Uh, I went to a variety of different sources. You may have guessed from my podcast that I'm more on the liberal side. So I use some of the more liberal sources. But I also went to places like uh, Forbes. Yeah, they're more conservative. The Brookings Institute. Um, things like the Chicago Times and the L.A. Times, the Washington Post were also in my list. Um, I went to the Huffington Post. I went to Vox. Yeah. And they all seem to be in agreement. Right. There's a problem with these tax proposals. It's just a fundamental problem. Yes. They don't seem to have a coherent rationale. Mm Mm-hmm. They seem to be, uh, in my opinion, 
Band-Aid fixes to try to demonstrate that this group of people can actually accomplish something. Right. Despite the fact that something might not necessarily be a good thing. Um, the author from, I believe it was Forbes magazine, started off with a rather sensational quote, which I should have wrote, written down. Mm-hmm. But I thought, no, I'll avoid the sensationalism. Um, indicating that he thought this was going to be the start down the path of a catastrophic economic decision for the United States. Well, I, he's I just going through it bit by bit, like what we did in this podcast. And there is a ton of information in this episode. Um, a lot of food for thought. But if you just look at it on a just a basic level, not knowing a party system, just trying to make comp, just using your own common sense, right. it does not sound good. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Unless you are very, very well off. Right. There was one, even some of those. I found another interesting thing this morning that, um, according to the Washington Post, more than 400 American millionaires and billionaires are sending a letter to Congress this week urging Republican lawmakers not to cut their taxes. Right. In other words, in, in opposition to the, 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 both the Senate and the House proposals. It sounds like nobody's listening to their constituents. Well, let's put that in context. That I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a great point. Hmm. Then I thought about, okay, the population of the United States is over 300 million. Mm-hmm. 1% of the U.S. population is 300,000. 400 Americans, that would be... Because I'm thinking, okay, so now even the 1% it's is arguing. It's up, right, well, yeah. It's actually the 0.001%. Right? Nuts. You would need 300,000... Millionaires. Yeah, that would be your 1%. Mm, well, so, well, hey, look, um, baby steps, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, some remember those wealthy donors that the Republicans seem... To be intent upon pleasing, yeah, those are also part of the one percent. Right, exactly. Oh. Well, my goodness, taxes. I know. Ugh, they make you want to pull your hair out, but ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you need to take responsibility. If you yeah. don't like what you, if you don't like what you're paying in taxes, there's you can fix that in a way that is really simple and free, and your right to do as an American citizen. Exactly, and it's to show up and vote. Right. Because even at a state level, taxes are are put right. upon you on a state level as well. So I mean, don't miss your primary elections and your and right. you know do, just be involved, be educated, mm-hmm. and if you don't know, ask. Right. So that's one of a the good things thing. that uh, is you can also do now is um, the representatives in the Senate mm-hmm. all have websites for their members. So you can go and you can get online uh, and you can write a note. It doesn't have to be very long to your representative yeah. or to your senator expressing your concern, if you have it, about the tax proposals. Yes. You can be as specific or as general as you want. One of the things that seems to make a difference is if a lot of people contact the office. Yes. Uh, it makes a dramatic impact if you call. But... You don't have to do that. No. I you mean, can just sit there. It's preloaded. You just fill in the screen, tell them where you live, what your name is, mm-hmm. what your concern is, and press send, and away it goes. Right. I mean, they're looking at numbers. They're looking at gross numbers. So right. if they get 
uh, 50,000 emails that say we don't want this, yeah. they're going to going to have to take that into some consideration, hopefully, exactly. if they're a good and ethical politician. Or if they're just worried about their job. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So. Absolutely. So, oh, as always, we encourage you to become involved. Yeah. If you're not, if you are, stay involved. Uh, try to stay informed. Look at all multiple sources. Right. Conservative it's, and really right, really left, someplace in the between, yeah. because ultimately you have to know both sides of a story in order to kind of make a, an informed decision. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Stay informed. Stay informed. <laughs> and uh, you, if you're not informed about taxes after this episode, then I don't know what to tell you. Just listen to it again, I guess. There you go. Yeah. Well, Johnny, oh, thank you so much for coming back. My pleasure. And, thank you again for having me. Uh, always. And you're going to come back again. Absolutely. And we'll have to figure out what the topic is and we'll, and we'll put it out a who little knows? bit early. Who knows? Yes. yes. We'll see what's going on. See what happens. All right. This process is still ongoing, so we might be doing taxes again. Who Ooh, knows? Ooh, fantastic. <laughs> we need more wine for that, I think. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. For more information on what you've heard on today's show, be sure to head over to our website and that's recordtechlisten.com. We have direct links um, to the IRS on this week's episode, but we also feature all of our previous episodes that you can listen to through the browser and we highly encourage you to subscribe so you never miss another episode. If sponsorship is something that interests you, please get in contact with the show. We have thousands of downloads every week. So if that's something that interests you and they're gl it's global. So if you have something that you want, you can sell all over the world, then, uh, we're, we're the show for you. Uh, so be sure to send us an email and that's record at gmail.com. This has been another episode of record talk. Listen, where I hit record people talk and hopefully you listen until next time. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.